Well, Barney, good to be together again for our fourth and final interview on uh, sparking church planning movements. Yeah, likewise. Likewise, Steve. Good to catch up. So just uh, remind us, where, where have we come, come from so far? Okay, uh, the first three things we've looked at uh, was, the first one was called HEAD, so talking about knowing and understanding CPM thinking, how the kingdom grows, etc. Second one being HEART, focusing around these, uh, the practitioner themselves, uh, things in their own life that are important um, to be the kind of person that God would use. The third one we talked about was hands, which refers to doing, so more nuts and bolts. And some, uh, I mean, that's a very big area, so we really only touched on that, but the whole thought of the different practical outworking of skills and what's involved to actually see a CPM happen in terms of the things you do. And so that's where we come from. And the mm. fourth one today we're going to talk about is the whole thought of house and Basically, the meaning is referring to relating to others, working with the wider body of Christ in order to see a CPM happen. Okay, so it's not just relating in the to people in the work you're doing or the network you're involved in, but it's relating to the wider body of Christ to uh, reach a particular region or people group. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the basic thinking is that you know, on your own, um, you, it's very unlikely that you on your own are going to see a people group or city or whatever region reached. And there's the need to uh, really, and we'll flesh this out a bit more, but to connect much wider and use the resources, um, being people resources, even some real practical resources that really are available um, beyond our own um, scope or um what we, we have access to, and to, to really try to connect much wider and channel those efforts to see a people group reach or city reached. Okay, well, tell us a bit more about house and relating. Sure, okay. Uh, well, the first one that, uh, uh, that sort of goes under this section is the need to work with, and in my situation being a missionary, the need to work with national believers as much as possible. Uh, so in terms of a context, if you're working, say, in Australia or wherever, where you're living amongst the people, um, the key there would be to think uh, about trying to work with the people from that particular group you're trying to reach as much as possible, as opposed to primarily relating to believers that are outside the culture of the people you're trying to reach. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just thinking, so there... Uh, locals or local to the area or people group you're reaching who um, are new believers yeah that's right yeah trying to trying to work with those folks as much as possible it's not saying that you don't uh, work with others outside that but in terms of when a cpm is going to happen it's it's the basic biblical principle if we look at acts is that the gospel will flow um, through people of the same oikos, so the, uh, the network of families and relationships. And um, the people that are going to reach their own, the people that are going to primarily be the ones that God will use to reach a particular people group is more likely to be those people from within that culture 
or within that particular subculture or subsection of society, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and so the need to really relate and train and develop those people as much as possible. So I was just thinking uh, Tim, Tim Shire up in Sydney, and we've uh-huh. just uh, been away with him and his team and some others. Now, everyone on his team, Tim is an outsider who's, uh, you know, seeks to connect with people in that community, but everyone yeah. else on his team are either new believers for the, from the community or they're believers uh, with a heart for evangelism and making disciples and, and are from the community. So he's, yeah. and, and I've heard uh, others talk about the, the whole outsider, insider, uh, yes, that the Tim is an outsider identifying with this culture, but he hasn't grown up in it, and sure. so he's he's trying to mobilise insiders. Yeah, that's really important. I think, regardless of whether you're in a situation where, well, my situation where I live in a, another country that that's not my own, where where I'm a, a missionary, and whether it's my situation or whether it's in Australia where somewhere like Tim or someone else, um, as an outsider, you come into the context or come into the culture and the first people to Christ or train local, existing local believers in that area or from within that people group. But very quickly, there needs to be the sense of um, building up and equipping uh, the locals, like like Tim's doing, uh, because that's how the gospel is spread. And even when, um, even if you're from outside the area, and you identify as much as you can, and you you do everything you can, you're still an outsider. And it doesn't matter how much you try to be like one of them. The reality is, you're not one of them. Um, and, I remember, and, and Grant, you'd say that about yourself. You've been in the part of the world you are in now. Oh, goodness, for at least a decade or more, you know sure, the yeah. language, um, sure. you're, you're fluent in the language, sure. but your focus is, is that's that's your stepping stone to seeing an insider movement in the culture. Oh, definitely, yeah. Everything we've seen happen um, here in terms of, and we've been very uh, blessed to see God, you know, hunt, well, uh, over a thousand churches have been planted, you know, thousands of believers. Um, it's all happened through local believers happening. It's, it's, it hasn't been through through my amazing efforts. I've begun the work, led the first people to Christ, trained and developed them, taught them how to lead others, and away they went. Um, but right from the start, I always had this understanding very quickly that um, – my, my role is very, very limited. So even though I've been living here and I travel around this, the country I live in for a long time, um, people will still treat me as a, as a foreign guest and people will still say, welcome to you know, this country. And um, I sort of laughed at myself thinking, you know, for some of the people who say that to me, I've been here, especially young people, longer than they've been alive, which is really mm. funny. And um, uh, a lot of, you know, and... Um, but that's that's the reality. Um, I'm not from this culture. You know, my parents aren't from this culture. I wasn't born here, etc. So, we'll always be an outsider. And I think that's a really important principle that you even see in Paul did it. You know, he would in the Book of Acts, he'd go to an area, start the church, but very quickly um, he would move on and leave the development 
of the church to the local folks, those who lived in the area and appointed elders and appointed people from within that particular culture and area. And this is a really important thing to do um, if we're going to see a CPM happen. Yes, I, I, it's just an interesting contrast because there's a, a lot of talk in, in Western Christianity about uh, being incarnational, uh, which mm. is what you say, well, you seek to identify with the culture sure. and the people you're with. But sure. there's a lot of focus on what we do as the worker, rather like, you know, in the 19th century, the focus is on what the missionary does in the culture right. rather than is the gospel, has it become an insider movement that, that uh, is, is spreading from person to person? So we spend a lot of time focused on ourselves. Am I incarnational? Am I identified? But not much yeah. time in the West on is the gospel spreading amongst insiders? Yeah, and in fact, um, it's, it's, it's a really important thing because often the, 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 I think, not always, but I think a lot of the reason why the gospel doesn't spread, uh, whatever culture it is, uh, is because of the... The person who began the work becomes a bottleneck, and there's too much emphasis around around that particular person, whether it be they're a charismatic leader, um, whether it be they've got control issues, whether it be they have a wrong understanding of what it means to be a minister of the gospel and don't spend enough time equipping, releasing people and doing themselves out of a job. You know, that kind of thinking in many places is really foreign, and hence the, the work doesn't spread like it should. And I think um, whether it be you're looking, obviously, Paul is the example in the book of Acts, um, or whether you just see what's going on around the world now, what God is doing in case studies, any movement where significant numbers come to Christ, it's always through local believers. God always uses the local believers um, to do it. And uh, in many times in my situation, I've found that God has bypassed me, which is a really good thing. Um, I'll be an example. I'd be wondering what to do in a situation. Uh, we face a particular issue in our work, and I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain, trying to come up with, okay, Lord, what, what should we do here? And the answer's already been given. God's already spoken to the locals, and then they tell me what to do, what we should be doing. And it's like, yeah, that is the key. And yet God bypasses me. And very, very important, very healthy, and very necessary to see CPMs happen. Okay, but you are the you have in the past been the the catalyst or the pioneer to go into a situation where you know an area or a people group that's unreached. So, uh, what yeah, sure. what sort of people do you look for um, to ensure that it becomes uh, an insider movement? What what do you do with those people? Yeah, okay. Um, I've touched on this briefly before um, in one other sort of session we had. um, But essentially the need in terms of making sure you get the right people is you have to train. You've got to train and mentor the right people, the right leaders. um, Essentially they're doers, people who are going to go and do this stuff. Um, It's those people who are going to train other people to do this stuff. So a term that's often used is... Um, training trainers or training people who are going to go and pass on uh, what you've taught them. They're going to go and do the stuff that you've modelled and shown. Um, but when you now, talk about training trainers, 
this is not just uh, you know these people are excellent trainers. Uh, no, you, you're looking for people who are committed to um, who are faithful and fruitful in the ministry, and you're equipping those people to become trainers of trainers. Um, they're, they're they're training out of their um, out of their engagement and involvement in making disciples. Very much so. Yes. So training in this context, or this yeah, this kind of thinking rather, is different in many ways to what we might typically think of training in the we- in the West, or even a lot of other non-Western cultures in terms of training. Um, tra- training essentially means. Um, uh, I used a phrase uh, one other time called "mall model assist watch leave," and uh, basically what it means is a trainer is somebody in this context in CPM is someone who models how to do it. They assist others how to do it. They watch them from a sort of come and go, watching from a distance. Then they leave and begin a new work or leave, um, yeah, begin a new stream of, of churches, whatever it is. So. The training is very practical, it's very hands-on, and this kind of person is showing by example and modeling and speaking into someone else's life what they themselves have learned um, and what they themselves have seen. So it's not a case of just gathering people in a room and giving a thing for a day or two days. It's much more than that. That's important, but it's... uh, it's actually practically implementing and showing others how to do it and training on the job is, is what's important. Mm. So okay. it's basically... Because yeah, we're, yeah, we're in looking, this we're whole area of house uh, relating, uh, they may be part of your direct ministry or network, but they may also be others in, in, in parallel ministries or networks of churches that you're training because the, the whole goal here is is to mobilize the whole body of Christ. Sure, that's right. So it's looking for people who, regardless of what, um, you know, whatever, what network they're from or whatever church they're from, people who are really willing to do the stuff. And um, there are always people out there, and, and this is what's required in order to reach a, a city. You know, one church on its own is never going to reach a city or... Um, you know, one denomination on its own is never going to reach an area or a city. It, do, it just doesn't happen. But where where uh, where significant numbers comes to Christ is always across many different churches and across many different denominations, whatever the context might be, of people who have been trained and equipped um, to be able to uh, make an impact. And together, uh, God is going to use right across the body a number of people to do to, to reach a people group. Now, the churches that are started may look slightly different and it depends on their particular flavor or their particular thinking, but the basic um, principles will be in place for each church. Um, but how it fleshed out may look slightly different, but what matters is that you've got a number of people, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a wide spectrum of people that is efforts are being channeled towards trying to reach a people group. But I, I notice again a, an important difference to what we tend to default to in the West, where our assumption is let's all cooperate together. Uh, so we, we we spend a lot of energy building unity, uh, and right. then we can do mission. This uh, what you're describing is um, 
we're going to do mission and we're looking for people who are ready to take action, who are ready to do something right across the board in terms of, um, you know, the wider body of Christ and we're going to go do something. So it's more action oriented. So unity is flowing from mission rather than mission from unity. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it, Steve. Yeah, for sure. It's a case of um, uh, putting the need out and saying, um, who who wants to be trained? Who wants to be equipped? And I think, again, Tim Shy, he's done a very good job down in Sydney. Um, yeah, it's a saying, okay, here's the need. Um, here, here is the, the goal to reach city X or, or suburb Y, whatever it might be, people group, whatever, and saying, seeing who puts their hand up to say, yeah, I'm willing. A, a common phrase might be a willing partner. It's looking for willing people who want to be trained, who are tired of the status quo, who know that, the man, we've got to be, we must be able to do a better effort than what we're doing here, and finding these people. And when you find them, um, really engage with them and train them and equip them because there are people out there um, regardless of whatever church or whatever denomination they're from and as you said as you as you train and equip there is a sense of unity that develops out of the mission there is a sense of we're all working together on this thing we're all uh, we're like an army moving forward there really does this does develop um, because what can tend to happen if you try to go to unity first most things default to the last common denominator. Um, uh, it gets messy. It loses its focus. It, uh, things get caught up and tripped up on very minor details. It really will not see people saved, the church is planted. But if you go the other way first, then out of that will flow a sense of unity. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else have you got in this heading of uh, house-related? Okay. Sure. Uh, another thing that's really important is this thought of a need to build accountability and reproduction. So regardless of who you're training, whatever church they're from or whatever uh, denomination, um, they need to be accountable for reproduction. So um, it's not just accountability in terms of a personal sense, which is important like we often have in terms of asking each other how, how you walk with God's going, what areas are you struggling with this week, blah, blah, how can I play, pray for you? Well, that's really, really good. But this actually goes beyond that and says from a ministry standpoint, it's looking at people that you're trained, in terms of your training, how they invest in their time, um, uh, are they doing things that would consider we would get to reproduction, uh, looking at really what you stop doing as opposed to really what you start doing because many times we do a lot of good stuff but it's not very helpful. Um, th this this kind of thing. And, and to do it in a, I guess, in an encouraging and loving way. So it's not coming down on top of people to say, uh, so that people get fearful about their time that you're going to that, that you're going to spend with them in terms of asking how their this last week or this last month has gone. It's not like that, but it's trying to help people in a loving way see that um, that there really aren't really a lot of stuff that we need to do to see reproduction happen. But it's doing those things well, and that if we do them well, then we're more likely to see people saved. In churches started. So accountability for reproduction is very important. Hmm. And that could be either a one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching 
or supervision relationship, or it could be uh, with a group of peers. Yeah, very. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I do it myself with a lot of folks. Um, uh, people I train do it with with their folks. Um, yeah, it can be it can be a one on one. It can be in a group. I think the the important is important aspect really of this is um, the need to uh, honestly evaluate. I think this is the key: is honestly evaluate how we're spending our time and is it effective. Um, a person that I respect um, greatly in the CPM world, who is really is. Um, really one of the leading people in terms of been doing this for many, many years and trains many people. Um, he once did an exercise for the training he, he was doing of missionaries. And he did this exercise, but he had to stop it because it was just too upsetting for people. He asked them to write down how they spent their week. Uh, on any given week, the time, these are full-time workers how they invested their time, a typical what their day might look like or a week might look like, mm. and then looked at it and said, now how many of these things are actually engaged in reaching the lost? And most activities that people did was all good, but very few could actually say, look at their time and say, yes, I was sharing the gospel here, I was mm. doing this here to see this person saved, or I was training this people to, to, to multiply the church. Most of it was a lot of other good stuff, but wasn't actually good stuff that was go- great stuff, I guess, that would, would lead to accountability in terms of reproduction. So he actually stopped the exercise, which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. because it was too upsetting for people. But his point was is that whether you're, whether you're a pastor in a local church and wherever in Australia or even you're a missionary on the field doing whatever, um, for most people, they don't always spend time doing stuff that really matters and it's a hard one because it needs need to really evaluate if we're going to see a cpm happen you have to stop doing a lot of stuff and that can be quite hard yeah so part of um the relating side of things to the wider body is to find those people who want to dive in and do and do this stuff and train others uh, but also working with them to help them disengage from a lot of non-productive but but good ministry. Non-productive yeah, in the sense so. it's not directly um, uh, it's not directly contributing to making disciples. Yes, sure. Yeah, I, I think we could be- all say in a very roundabout way what we do uh, is making a difference. But what you're sure. saying is you, you, you need to be tougher on yourself from that. You need to really evaluate, is there a direct um, impact in people's lives? Are, are we um, making opportunities to share the gospel, make disciples, form churches? Do these activities in your diary reflect those priorities? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I think... What's important is it's, uh, I mean, you brought out a good point, regardless of which church or which denomination you're in, we're all involved in, um, you know, stuff that's important and sometimes um, depends on people's situation. They they can't always change that um, because of their role or their ministry responsibility or whatever. Um, 
But again, to, to bring it back, if, if you're going to see a CPM happen, um, doing certain things is, is really important um, to see a CPM happen. And it's very likely if these things don't happen, you won't see a CPM. So it, it comes back, I guess, to um, what are you aiming for? Um, if, you, if you want to plant a church, a single church, as good as that is, and that's great, and God calls people to do that, of course. Um, then, then what 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 that looks like, pastoring a local church and all the myriad of stuff that involved in that, as good as it is, that won't get you to CPM. Uh, CPM mm. requires different ways of thinking. It requires a different uh, different investment of your time. Um, and a, one important thing in terms of investment of time when it comes to this house relating is how many people are you training um, right across the body? Um, how many people are you connecting with who are putting their hand up to say, I want to know how to win people and start and start a church? And you've got to look much, much wider beyond your own particular church or your own particular network, but really look real wide because it's going to take a lot of people trained um, to see a CPM happen. Uh, the thinking basically is that Maybe only fifteen to twenty percent of the people you ever train are actually going to go and do the stuff, mm. and this is based on uh, uh, very, very experienced practitioners who are seeing hundreds of thousands come to Christ in some parts of the world. Um, these people who this is all they do um, look for people who want to be trained how to win others and start churches, and even the the best people at doing this will say maybe. 15, maybe 20% of people will actually do it. So if you just stick with people that are in your own church, very soon you're going to run out of people. And so there's the need to go much, much wider to really weed down those people who are going to train others, those people who are going to go and do the stuff. That's why it's so important to relate very wide, because if we don't, we're not going to see the workers for the harvest raised up. Okay, so you, you've got to juggle a couple of realities then. One is to be an effective trainer, you really need to be um, engaged uh, locally and uh, be training out of your own experience. But then to yes. see a, a broader movement, you've got to be willing uh, alongside of that to be training all sorts of people who are willing to learn and then looking for those yep. who follow through and investing in them. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. I, I've just, just on um, the whole challenge of saying no to other things, I, I've noticed a pattern with some of the folk here uh, in Australia who've gone this uh, paradigm shift and uh, what happens is they get exposed. They, you know, some of them through hearing hearing you speak when you've been out here, um, mm. and uh, they get exposed, and and they they make some decisions to to go do this stuff, to go share the gospel, make disciples, and some mm. of them doing it in their spare time in the midst of pretty demanding uh, pre-existing commitments. Sure. And sure. they might do that for a number of months, six months or so, and something grips them. Something mm -hmm. gets them uh, excited and they just, uh, uh, and it unfreezes them. So all of a sudden they're asking big questions about their time commitments and their current uh, ministry role if they're in a ministry setting. 
mm-hmm. and a number of people I know have been have led walked away from leading national ministries or churches in their hundreds that they've uh, planted because God's called them called them to a wider ministry of yeah. uh, making disciples, planting churches, training others. And I've seen this happen about four or five times now here. Mm. Um, you know, people who... So there was, there was a, a, a few steps in the process, um, getting excited, getting involved, uh, getting gripped by this thing, and then after six months to a year having to reorder their whole life in ministry. Uh, and yeah. none of them are... Uh, None of them regret what they've done. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think you would find that's. Yeah, uh, uh, that would be a common story uh, worldwide. Those who really grab a hold of this, um, and when they start seeing things happen, it really does come down to: Am I going to? Well, you suddenly get this realization of: Gee, if I'm really going to see something happen here, I've got to say a no to a lot of stuff. And um, if I say no to a lot of stuff, then ultimately probably there needs to be a change of role in your ministry. Um, now, it comes, and, and I think this is interesting because not everybody can do it. Mm. And um, not, not everyone can do it. And it, it's, it's really like it's a death experience, I think. Um, uh, you really do have to die to ambition, Um you have to die to potentially being someone who's really well known, mm. um, because to do a CPM role, you're very much the goal is to, to raise up people that are going to be far far better than you, and the goal is to equip and train people who are going to be far more fruitful than you could ever be. Um, you, you, the, the goal is to train and equip and to, to raise up locals from the area, and which means very quickly. Right from the start, there needs to be thinking, I've, I've got to do myself out of a job as soon as possible because if I don't, I'll be a hindrance to the movement. So that kind of thinking means that um, for some people, they're going to really struggle because they're no longer going to be the big preacher. They're no longer going to be the big leader. Uh, now, this may sound harsh, and I, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but it, this is the practical realities. If you're going to see, see a CPM happen, You've got to die to a lot of ambition, and um, because if, if you don't, then it's unlikely to ever happen. A CPM one unlikely ever happen. Mm. And so, not, not everyone can do it. And yes, um, not well. Not everyone's um, you, you know, not everyone's called to do it because uh, we know that sure. uh, you know there's a sizable number of people who joined Paul and his team. Uh, for for periods of time on mission, uh, but he never expected the whole of the Church of Antioch or Ephesus to move out and travel with him. But there sure. are uh, a really critical percentage of people, you're saying, who uh, are called to make this the main focus of their life and ministry. And uh, yeah. so these these steps that you've you've talked about so far of um, you know, head knowing, heart being, hands doing, house relating. Each each one of them is key for the people with that call on their life. Each one is also yeah. helpful for anybody in the body of Christ. But sure. um, what you're saying is there are going to be some people listening to this podcast that 
do need to get engaged at a, at a very grassroots level and do this stuff. And it is going to lead to some major life and ministry change. But you don't have to start at that point. God will bring them to sure. that point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right, Steve. You've worded it well. Um, not not everybody is called to do CPM. And if, if people aren't, then that's great. No problem. You know, the key is to do whatever God calls you to do. Um, and that's what you that's what you should be doing and that's what it's what you're going to be best at doing whatever that might be um but if 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 anyone's listening and they have this this thought of gee i think god really could be in wanting me to to maybe change um my path um alter the way i've been doing stuff sooner or later there is this you will get faced with this i guess it's a death experience where you have to die to maybe a lot of stuff you've done in the past, um, ways of thinking, um, uh, a role, whatever it is, sooner or later it needs to happen because it's like that whole thought of unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, you know, it's not going to produce a whole lot of fruit. And for many times that kernel falling to the ground is the person who is going to initiate and start the movement. The death experience will be you might start it, but very quickly you have got to move out of it and raise up many, many more people much better than yourself. And, and yeah, that's what's required. So it's very, very important. Okay. So there's a, a strategy and principle side to this. Uh, there is also a heart. I know we, we uh, talked early on about the, um, the whole question of heart, but God so, has to do a work in us. Uh, to free us from ambition, free us from the need uh, of the satisfaction of seeing, you know, our own successes, uh, and and in order that we would would stay focused on on a much greater harvest. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't talked about it this time, but uh, a lot of people, I think, make a mistake of saying um, uh, God. You know, what do you want me to do in this situation or what, what, what ministry do you want me to do? Or what should I be doing? And, and I often think that's the wrong question to ask. The question to ask is more, God, what, what do you want to do in this country or this city or this particular people group? And what's my part in it? Hmm. And once we once we understand that, it's, so, it's, it's, so the, the, it's not starting with us, Lord, what do you want me to do? But what do you want to do, Lord? And what's my part in it? When, when we go that way. Uh, very quickly, um, we will find out what's our most effective role. In, in terms of CPM, it's always going to be raising up, uh, sharing the gospel, but raising up and training right across the board as many people as we can. Um, very important. One other okay. thing I'll add, Steve, mm-hmm. just in this area before we finish up on this um, this house relating, is um, the, the importance of um, protecting the movement from DNA that would halt or slow it, slow it down. Um, so on one hand, there is this tension because on one hand, we are trying to say you've got to engage with as many people as possible. Yet at the same time, in the engaging process and training up process, you do have to make sure that um, there is not uh, the wrong DNA or the wrong thinking that get introduced into uh, into the movement because it will halt it or slow it down. And there's many um, there's many situations and many case studies even 
we were talking a bit earlier, um, mm. Paul in the New Testament had to deal with a lot of the stuff of foreign thoughts being introduced into a movement because it really does have quite a negative effect on it. So that that um, bad DNA is bringing um, other agendas that detract from you know the importance of sharing the gospel, making disciples, multiplying churches. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, I, I'll mm-hmm. give you a typical example. That's a common situation, and we um, have seen it raise its head slightly in a situation here. Is that um, someone will come along? Uh, it, it happens in two areas, really, two, two different areas. Uh, that's very, very common in, in church planning movements. One is church, church planning movements tend to be meetings will always be held in places other than church buildings. So um, houses, um, uh, storefronts, uh, restaurants, wherever, anywhere other than a church building as we would know church. Mm. Someone comes along down the track, not usually not at the start, it's usually down the track a bit and say, hey, how about I help you build a church building? If you had a church building, then you could gather more people together, you could do this, you could do that. And the movement always halts. Um, mm. This happens many, many times. Why does it halt? Because the DNA is, instead of going from starting multiple churches, many, many churches, wherever in people's homes, it now becomes moves to let's gather a whole lot of people into a single building. And straight away, you've lost a key important element of a CPM. It's, it's a very common problem. Um, and that usually happens not because the person who started the movement has that, but down the track, someone comes in from the outside and introduces this. Uh, another thing is funding. And the idea is, is that you want local, you want churches, pastors, um, whatever that might look like in the particular movement, to be self-supporting, um, whether it be our tent makers or whether the church themselves pays and whatever. But the money comes from within. Hmm. Um down the track, people come along and start introducing all kinds of funding. Uh, that, that's a problem. So the uh, funding is coming from external sources. External sources, yes, yeah. not from within the movement. And another it, it, thing, it distorts another, the whole thing. Yeah, it distorts the whole thing. Yeah, it, it stops um, the thought of each church is responsible to to to, to financially support their own uh, causes, their own outreaches, their own whatever. Um, and then you've got this foreign, uh, not necessarily foreign as a literal foreign, but mm. money from outside the movement. Another one is training, um, a wrong DNA of training, where training is done more on the job, um, smaller, you know, one day or weekend trainings, or one week modules, that kind of stuff. Someone comes along and offers to build a Bible college. Mm. Um, straight away, that'll halt the movement or stop it. Um, that, that's another common problem. Now, the challenge with all this is, is that because we don't work in a vacuum, um, it's very hard to, to sometimes stop these things happening. Very hard. Hmm. But um, just got to, I guess I always think that you've got to hope, you've got to pray, and got to trust the Lord that what's been sown in the DNA at the early stages will, for the bulk of people, because not everybody is going to stick with it, but the bulk of people will say, this is far better than what has been introduced, and, and hopefully that in itself is going to be enough to protect the movement from going forward. Um, it will always have an effect. You can't help have an effect when something foreign is introduced, but the hope is is that um, enough people have got it so that they don't mm. go with 
this foreign DNA thought. Yeah. Okay. Very important. Now, just yeah. um, I'm just thinking uh, in in rounding out this whole uh, relating more broadly to mobilise others. Uh, where would you suggest, just in practical terms, that that people get started doing that? In terms of sorry, in terms of how to relate more broadly. Yeah, in terms of okay. that whole house, that that fourth yeah. principle. Okay. I think um, depends on the the the, the person um, who wants to get going. This, if they're a church leader, um, or if they uh, uh, involved in ministry in some shape or form, but not in full time ministry, um, that it would look very different. Uh, but I think first of all, the person themselves has to get the training or, or get exposed to this kind of thinking and go through some training themselves and, and and have a go themselves. And then once they've got a heart for a particular area or city or suburb or whatever, and they themselves have, have experienced how to do it, they're, they're living it out, mm. then from there, just simply asking around people, um, sowing the vision in terms of who would like to, to join them in this. Uh, one real simple way, if you're a... Um, if, if your heart is for a particular area, is to approach churches in that area or yeah, and, and ask them how they've gone in the last five years, ten years in terms of reaching out mm. um, and, and help them to practically look and see, gee, at this rate it's going to take us 500 years or 100 years or whatever to reach this area at this particular rate of people we're seeing saved. And then sign the vision and say, look, if I was to help train you and equip you to see it happen much faster, would you be interested? So it's basically helping, seeing who's going to raise, stand up and say, yeah, I would like that. So it's basically putting out feelers. Once you yourself have experienced it and got some training, put it into action, and then just sort of, just basically asking and see who's going to be interested. Um, there's really probably no other way to do it other than actually going out, connecting, sowing a vision, and offering to help train. And that terms, and that, by doing that, you'll start building some momentum. When people start having some success in terms of seeing people saved, people being discipled, then they themselves will tell others, and then that way the, the whole thought of relating to many people can begin forming. Okay. So, it, it, again, it's, it's not a broad cooperative effort where there are a lot of committees and the like. It, it's really getting engaged yourself, um, uh, getting experience, beginning to train, to, to cast vision and to train others and looking for those who receive the training, uh, go and put it into practice and then helping them become trainers of others. Sure. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. You definitely want to always focus on those who are doing it. Um, uh, and, and invest as much time in those who want to go and do it and those who are training others. Uh, and if you get enough of those people, uh, the, the movement will begin spreading. Um, yes, you certainly want to avoid any kind of committees and um, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's always going to be with people who, who want to put their hand up and say, I want to give this a go. And again, for those people who put their hand up, um, some will do it well, some will do it okay, and some 
may not even go ahead and do it, but that, but that's okay. It's it's investing in those who really want to, and who are really doing the stuff. Mm. Okay, uh, Barney, is there is there anything else? Because this is going to close out this series now. Is there any other wisdom you would uh, you would share with us? Uh, I guess maybe in closing, I would say that um, it always. It always comes down to, regardless of whatever the the the, um, the tools are that you use, um, it always comes down to the person. Um, it's not a case of saying you get uh, you you want to focus more time on being than doing. There's always it's always a both end. There's, there's being the person that God is going to use and going and doing the stuff. There's always a healthy balance, and I think that often in many cases there can be a focus on one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that if I'm just a certain kind of person that somehow God's going to use mm. me, that's not always the case because, um, well, we know this, that that's typically the many people who have got great character and great all the attributes, but they're not seeing many come to Christ and many churches planted. Um, but then the other side is also important that if we spend too much time on the doing stuff and not enough on the being, then at the end of the day it's all going to come crashing down. And we see a lot of this where... Um, and whether it be in Western context or where we are, that it's character that it then lets, lets people down. So there's always a healthy balance um, between the two. And I guess I would, would say to anyone listening is um, get the training, um, get involved, and get in as much as you can, get exposed, get around people who are doing the stuff or who want to do the stuff. Get in the environment. Um, this whole thought of iron sharpening iron and proverbs, you can learn from one another. Um, for some people listening, it's going to be a case of making some big alterations in how they spend their time. But there's enough people out there doing this stuff now. The whole CPM um, thinking, obviously, it, it's biblical. But there is a re... Um, over the last uh, 15 to 20 years now, there are many people now that in this day and age are practically seeing the stuff happen. Um, thousands come into Christ. Thousands, hundreds to thousands of churches being planted. And there are enough people out there that now are willing to to want to help others. And so finding and connecting with these people and learning as much as you can from them. And um, and then I believe if you spend enough time doing that, uh, then God can really use you. Mm-hmm. And uh, God can use you to see a people reached or city impacted or suburb reached in far greater ways than what you've ever done up to this point. So I guess I'd finish by saying that. Well, they're good words to finish on. I know um, through my involvement locally here with uh, with Michelle, uh, it's mm. changed me. And, uh, and it's just interesting to see in my own case how much uh, just stepping out and obeying uh, mm. has brought about a change in who I am. So it, it actually started with obedience and then led to a change of heart. Um, Great. Wonderful. So, mm. so if an old guy like me can learn, I'm sure anyone listening here can learn. <laughs> yeah, either, yeah, wonderful. That's a great testimony. Wonderful, Steve. Okay, Barney. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll put this up on the uh, the blog and make a... Um, just some notes available uh, for people who want to use it as a, as a group study. Thank That's you so great. much. Okay, wonderful. We'll be in touch. Okay, bye. <laughs>